What's up, NBA fans? We are now in the conference finals. Uh, the second round was exciting. We got a couple game sevens, game sixes, uh, but ultimately it's the Suns coming on top, the Clippers coming on top, and on the East it's the Bucks and the Hawks that move on. Surprisingly, the Hawks, uh, who may just be the hottest team in the NBA right now. I guess the Clippers have an argument to be made there too, but unlikely. Dude, that's true. That's true. Everybody, everybody here. But I got to say the Hawks were never on the radar. Here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but we'll talk Bucks versus Hawks. That series is 1-0. Suns versus Clippers 2-1. And, and as well as some quick thoughts around the league. A couple coaches being hired. A couple more coaches being let go. And the US NBA roster coming into form. And of course, the NBA draft lottery that was just earlier this week. But... First, Sean, we got to jump in. Suns, Clippers, that game just ended. It is now 2-1, and the Clippers, behold, no surprise, are down, we're down 2-0 and win that game, win that next game, that game three, regardless of it's at, if it's in L.A. or if it's on the road, they find a way to win game three. Now, the question is, is this, you know, a sign that they're going to claw their way back into this series, or was this just a, a drop in the pan? Well, uh, history might tell us that this is the start of a momentum shift. Man, it, it is just so crazy to see this narrative playing out again. Mm -hmm. And the media just falls for the same trap every single series. They're just like, Clippers are going to get swept. Clippers aren't going <laughs> to be able to do what they just did. Clippers just can't handle X player. This happens every single series, and I know yeah. tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna wake up, we're gonna see a bunch of media people just eating crow and just being like, <laughs> "Well, maybe the Clippers have a chance." It's just the same thing. It's so pathetic. Like, come on, someone have the balls to give the Clippers a chance in these series. You know, like how many times do we have to show how much toughness we have? for someone to at least give us a shot, even if we go down 2-0. I know the odds are against us, but come on. It's it's like the Denver Nuggets last year, right? It's like they go yeah. down 3-1 in, in multiple series. And sure, they did lose in the conference finals to the Lakers. Uh, and it was, it, they did not come back from 3-1 in that one. But, I mean, this is a different year. It's different, different variables, different possibilities. And, I mean, when you look at the rosters from the first guy to the last guy, I really don't think the Suns have any major advantage over the Clippers. And I think we really showed that we can match up really well against them tonight. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know if I agree. I think the Suns are still the more talented team here. Um, I think the Suns have been overperforming so much that it makes you think that. Possibly. And that's, th th these playoffs have, have just been odd in that way where obviously there's been monkey wrenches thrown in here, injuries and, and whatnot that, that have taken out what we perceived were the, the more talented teams in the Lakers, the Nets, uh, and the 76ers. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure if the 76ers can pull I'm that not, card. I, but I, I, Yeah, Danny Green doesn't. I mean, Joel Embiid <laughs> maybe was a little hurt, though. Right, exactly. So, yeah, we're seeing a lot of teams that potentially are overplaying what we originally thought they, they were. But to that note, I think what the Clippers are showing, I think, is, or maybe it's a combination of Tyron Lue, too, is this team makes adjustments and they've been mm -hmm. adjusting to every single punch that's been thrown at them. Uh, tonight, you get Patrick Beverly on the 
on the floor for most of this game and he's just causing havoc despite only scoring eight points nothing nothing that stands out of the raw out of the uh, jumps out of the box score but and you also get zubak uh, playing a Zoo. big minutes, who was not really playing big minutes in the series before, and he comes, he comes out big, fifteen points, sixteen rebounds, not disrupting Aiden, but really has a case to be disrupting the rest of the Suns. Who Chris Paul five for nineteen, Devin Booker twenty three percent shooting uh, tonight, but more than anything, Zubak and Pat Beverly uh, and Reggie Jackson, Paul George also. They really just disrupted this Suns team and slowed the game down um, and just made it harder for the Suns team to score. And I was telling you, even though the score was not that, the gap was not that big, it sort of felt like the Suns were almost just not really playing their best and almost like they yeah. were folding by the, at the start of that fourth. Well, by the time they got within six and then Reggie Jackson hit that three, after that point, it seemed like the Suns didn't really want to put the work in um, to come back and claw their way back in this game, and I think a lot of that just had to do with just how 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 much how much dog fight was in this Clipper team that just made the every possession uh, extremely hard for the Suns. Right, and I think uh, in one of the timeouts i think monty williams said it best he said they're just playing more desperate than we are right now we can't exactly. let that happen so you can mm -hmm. tell monty williams was very aware of what was going on in the game it's just you can only tell the players so much and, and force them to do so much it's like yes they they know that they're playing more desperately but it's hard to switch that gear especially on the road in a playoff atmosphere with a full capacity crowd you're not used to you're still not used to seeing full capacity crowds and getting booed by full capacity crowds it's a lot different mm -hmm. when you're at home that could maybe give you that little bit of energy to, to flip that switch but that's tough i mean I, i've been in that clippers arena for the playoffs <laughs> and it it is man it is a big advantage and i'm really glad that that our fans showed up and you could tell the Clippers were really into it. Patrick Beverly was getting into it with the fans. He was just hyping them up. Paul George was blowing kisses to the crowd. And it was just, it was really cool to see um, that, you know, the Clippers actually feel like we have a, a home court advantage, you know, which is not something we've been able to boast being in Staples Center all these years. Yeah. And for, you know, heading into this game, it felt like, the momentum was on the sun side and they were going to get an extra boost with the return of Chris Paul and was totally not the case. Uh, Chris Paul was five for 19 from the Oof. field to combine him and Devin Booker combined were 10 for 40 from the field tonight. So Oof. this it's, you're not going to win any games with your two, with your star player, Devin Booker shooting like this. And then Chris Paul playing the majority of the point guard minutes with campaign sitting on the bench, I uh, got a slight injury there, so wasn't really able to play again in the game. And you had to really rely on Chris Paul, who, I mean, you could take it to, you could put the put the blame on maybe COVID symptoms, causing him to have a rust, a, a tough game, or possibly just rust coming back for the first time and jumping into a playoff atmosphere and to and playing against a desperate uh, Clipper team. But definitely going to need a little bit more from Chris Paul here. Five for 19, 19 shots taken from you know, from Chris Paul alone, it's, it's, it's not a good sign. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was just trying to shoot himself into the game. Right. And it just didn't happen for him. Maybe he's still feeling some COVID symptoms or maybe some lingering effects and he's just trying to shake it off. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about him. He looked like he was moving pretty well. He made some really good assists some really good passes. He still looked like Chris Paul out there. So 
I mean, we'll, we'll see if he can just get his shot back. But, I mean, this was the thing I was talking about, is after game two, obviously we should have won game two, right? I, <laughs> like, that that DeAndre Ayton buzzer-beating alley-oop lob from Jay Crowder was probably one of the best plays I've ever seen drawn up in my mm-hmm. life. The the yep. execution was just flawless. And, and obviously, the only reason they had that was because of the back-to-back missed free throws from Paul George, who was berated the last two days for those free throws. But right. We should have won game two. I mean, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But I never thought that we were out of this series because, I mean, you look at that game, which we should have won. Cameron Payne had 29 points. Yeah. Cameron Payne is, I mean, he's had some, he had some good games against the Lakers, sure, and some decent games against the Nuggets. But you have people who are like, oh, Chris Paul's coming back game three. The Clippers don't have a chance. It's like, well, campaign's not going to score 29 points. And I don't think Chris Paul is going to score 29 points. So in my mind, I was like, this is still like, we're basically playing the same team we saw in game two. And we almost beat that team. So in my mind, it's still a pretty even series. I mean, both the games in Phoenix, what we lost the first one by six, the second one by one. And now we beat them by what, 14 in our home i'd say this is a pretty even series in my opinion i think everyone was just riding off the clippers way too early you you gotta keep giving tyloo credit for making these adjustments yeah i think so tyloo slowing the game slowing this game down and even the other game too to close it off there was there was i mean it was kind of annoying as a fan to watch all these reviews but nonetheless the clippers the clippers were clawing they're 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 (laughs) a desperate team and they're looking for every nuke they can find to make the momentum swing their side. And if that means, you know, barking at the refs to take another look at the review, they're going to do it. And that almost won the game for them, right? When that (sighs) play was overturned for the Clippers and (laughs) Paul George makes both those free throws. And that game is, is one for the Clippers, but he misses both. And that sets up this miraculous play. I just wonder if there were less reviews, if we would have won the game, like, Give mm-hmm. the Suns back the ball when it was nine seconds left. Paul George doesn't even get those free throws. They're still down one. And maybe they don't get that type of shot. You know, it's like <laughs> you honestly kind of hope they gave it to the Suns in that case. And the review didn't happen because that gave them a free timeout. Essentially, right. they, they were able to drop a play. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it honestly did not work in our favor that all these reviews are happening. I, I'm a little upset that Patrick Beverly kept asking for it every every point two <laughs> milliseconds of the game. And yeah, it was terrible for the fans. I, I saw something that said the last two minutes took like 31 minutes of real time. Yeah. That is absurd. I think the last two minutes of this game tonight took like three minutes real time. <laughs> it's mm. just like, you come on, guys. Are you serious? Like, this is not how bad. This is baseball at this point with all this waiting around. Right. Especially basketball is such a momentum game and game based off rhythm. So it makes the game fun to watch. Um, I will say this when looking at these last two games, the one thing that I'm, I would be a little concerned about if I'm Monty Williams is Devin Booker. He shot 31% in game two and 23% in this game. I mean, have the Clippers figured something out here or is Devin Booker just needs to needs to just shake this off or whatever it is. Or maybe Pat Beverly truly is getting in his head, but I think Devin Booker's got to continue to be that consistent scoring threat for you. And he yeah. can't fold like this. And, 
and shoot this bad. I mean, 40, 45%, 40, 40-ish range is not, not okay, but you know, it's better than this. This is, this is it's going to be tough to win. You're going to need miraculous plays like Cameron Payne going for 29 points and DeAndre Orton, DeAndre Jordan closing it the way he does. Um, that's the only way to win games if Devin Booker's shooting like this. So Monty Williams has got to try to figure something out to help his, help his, help his score, get some relief here. Do you think that his broken nose is affecting his play? It's gotta be maybe. I think there's some frustration. I think Devin Booker shows his frustration pretty easily com- compared to other players. I think I've seen in the playoffs. Mm. Um, I mean, they've played some pretty exhausting series. I understand that, but Devin Booker's just got to be a bit better. I think he lets, he shows his cards and he really lets Pat Beverly get to him. I yeah. think from what I've observed yeah. and, I think he's got to do a little bit better job of dialing in. And maybe the return of Chris Paul is going to help that. Um, Just getting the ball in places that he enjoys a bit more and not having to deal with the ball handling duties like he did in game two and in game one. Um, But regardless, like shooting in the 30% range in general is just not good for your star player. Yeah, that's yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> right. But yeah, I do think Patrick Beverly is in his head. This is something where I mean, that's his game, right? Like he gets in your head. He gets some strips. Uh, if he's able to get some of those strips, he really gets in your head because he's actually actually playing good defense and not just philosophical defense or right. psychological defense. It's something that Donovan Mitchell was able to ignore. You know, right. like you didn't see Donovan Mitchell phased by anything Patrick Beverly was doing. He was he was not effective on him at all. Mm-hmm. But Devin Booker is getting heavily affected by it, and maybe the conference final nerves is part of it. Like you know, you just you you really are feeling the moment, and you're just excited at the prospect of making the NBA Finals uh, when your first time in the playoffs. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure, uh, especially with the lead that they have. So I think yeah, maybe Patrick Beverly is just a little. A little more mentally tough in that way and able to just like focus on the game more and booker's just he's still a pretty young guy um and obviously i, I wearing a mask uh, donning that mask in game three maybe it just didn't feel comfortable uh i know i mean reggie jackson he's he goes with the the goggles now and mm-hmm. it's something that he's just adjusted to and booker's gonna have to adjust to that new look um but yeah there's there's a lot of factors here going into devin booker um, but he's he's just gonna have to know he's Devin Booker, right? Like you can't just you can't just be like, oh yeah, like Patrick Beverly's playing great defense. You're like I'm Devin Booker. Like people have compared me to Kobe Bryant offensively. I'm not allowed to let Patrick Beverly bully me around. This, right. Like if I'm a Phoenix Suns guy, I'm like, yeah. Like how is Patrick Beverly beating me right now? Like I cannot just take this. Yeah, and I think the Clippers are a good, great defensive team, but. They they didn't end up slowing down Donovan Mitchell or not at all. Or Luca. They they won those series based off good team defense and slowing down the other guys and you know just finding better spots to score as a team. But they never really truly slowed down uh, these star scorers. So I gotta think that they're not gonna figure out a way to completely stop Devin Booker. So I think it's part of it is on him. And again, maybe the return of Chris Paul will help. Mm. Uh, but. Yeah, I can't think that Patrick Beverly is truly that big of a stopper here. So, Devin <laughs> hey, Booker's got to figure something defense. out. First team all defense right there. That's, that's <laughs> what he says. And one final note, too, on the Suns is when these dry spells are happening, I, I honestly would like to see them go to DeAndre Aiden more. Dude is yeah. still, like, 
solid. Like despite yeah. win or loss. Yeah, nine of thirteen tonight. Yeah, nine of thirteen, twelve of fifteen in game two, um, including that game winning play. So I don't understand. Like if things are going well with Chris Paul, five for nineteen, give some of those shots to Aiden. Like throw it in the post or just look for him off the pick and roll. Um, I would love to see them be a bit more aggressive with Aiden. This guy has shown mm-hmm. that he can do it. And uh, I don't think, obviously, Zubak had a good game. But again, I don't, Zubak is not closing, not yeah. stopping. So Aiden. I will say, I mean, if you, if you watch the game tonight, there was a lot of really good help defense by the Clippers because mm-hmm. they tried to lob it to Aiden a good three or four times when the Clippers swatted it away. Yeah. Uh, so they they were much more prepared for it this time around. Whatever adjustment Tyloo made to make sure that someone was there to swat the alley oop away and to be in a good position to do it, it it worked because that's a play where in game one they would have just gotten an alley oop on us, and now we've sniffed it out a little bit. Yeah, and that is good credit to to Tyron Lue and also this Clipper roster is it it's just filled with dudes who who are athletic and can and can really bother that 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 entry pass. So, and to hang with Zubak, to, to hang with Aiton there. So, yeah, I, I agree. I saw that as well. Yeah. So, so what do you think, Alan? Do you think the Clippers are going to win this series or do you think the Suns are going to win this series? Oh, man. I got to say, I keep falling for the same trap where I'm like, the Clippers <laughs> look like they're about to get swept or they're going to lose in five <laughs> games. And I've thought that both times, like when they played against Dallas, I thought that series was going to be close. And then after mm-hmm. seeing game one i was like oh my god like the clippers are gonna lose in five games like it's gonna happen game two reconfirmed that thought mm-hmm. and you know they obviously ended up winning that series yeah. um against the utah again heading into it i thought it was gonna be a sweep or five games <laughs> this one i had the same thought after game one and <laughs> game two you know was a big fight the clippers made that run and I'm not ready to call it five games, but I got to say, Sean, I'm still going to mm. call it the Suns way, and I'm going to say six games. Wow. Six game Suns. Mm. I think they close it out in L.A., unfortunately. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, on our home floor? Yeah. That's just mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I, st- I still just think that not having Kawhi is hurting them. And, I mean, Reggie Jackson and Terrence, man, they're doing it, but... I'm not sure they can hold on for this long. I got I still think the Suns have a bit more pieces there with Aiden, Booker, um, Crowder, Payne, and uh, Bridges, and Cameron. Like, just, you know, Cam there's Johnson. a lot of pieces here. Cam Johnson. I mean, the Clippers have pieces to match. I mean, we our roster is very deep. I mean, we've proved that by making it this far without Kawhi Leonard. Right. Like, Reggie Jackson is playing like an all-star right now like we cannot discount that like the the difficulty of shot selection that this dude puts up around the rim i don't know how he he contorts his body in just the craziest ways and is still able to get it off it's like if he's he's just in his bag right now and i i just i can't discount that it's so hard for me to know what I feel about this series because I don't, I can't say that the Clippers have a better chance of winning. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. say that, but I, I think that they can take this in seven. I really do. Can, I think it's going to be another take, seven game series. It's going to be grueling, go, but I, I, yeah. I don't know. They've, they've shown a lot of toughness, man. 
Yeah, if Reggie Reggie Jackson is a revelation, like this is crazy what he's doing. He's on the the wave of his life. Like this is a Reggie Jackson that we probably haven't seen since he was in OKC. Like this, this level is the of best, this scoring. This is the best Reggie Jackson we've ever seen. Yeah, and we're talking about years ago now mm-hmm. uh, when there was when Reggie Jackson was a true scoring, you know, starting point guard scoring threat. Like, yeah, he's back he, to that now. Yeah, somehow he can't. He can't. He has come back to that in these playoffs um can he continue that that's where i have a slight doubt and and that's where i want to <laughs> lean more towards the sun showing up man he keeps yeah. showing up like something's gonna give on one of these sides right like either ayton's gonna stop shooting 75 percent from the field or reggie jackson's gonna stop making all these crazy circus shots <laughs> Like and he just shoot- <laughs> yeah and these pull-up threes that he has like it's oh, just kind of like you know, Butter. only the best players in the league <laughs> pop up with the, with that much poise from and the three it is point a be- line. It, it is gorgeous too. Like it, it's like no doubt that's going in, and it just swishes right yeah. through. That's that has been really impressive. And you know, how much more can you squeeze out of Terrence Man? Yeah. Keep keep uh, squeezing him, man. He's got <laughs> plenty to give. <laughs> Ten so, points in the third quarter today. Yeah, I think for the Clippers, it's continue. I think they they showed the recipe of success if they're going to win this series is continue to just make life hard for the Suns team and break the spirit and slow the game down. And mm-hmm. and when you're there in the fourth quarter, uh, lean on your guys, Re- lean on Reggie Jackson <laughs> on to Reggie knock Jackson. down some, <laughs> some clutch buckets. That's that's crazy, man. I love it. He's here for the moment, man. Got to yeah. respect it. On the Eastern Conference side, I mean... The oh Hawks almost are like the same story as this Clipper team, just very, uh, but even more so in that, in the regard that the Hawks are just like the ultimate underdog in that we really, ne- they never really came up. You know, the Clippers were yeah. always still a name hanging around. Like the Clippers can be a threat, right? They have two stars, but the Hawks, and it's got to be, and the question's got to come up. Like, do we feel like the Hawks are for real? Like they've won another game one on the road <laughs> on against the a team road. they're not supposed to win against. <laughs> this is craziness. It, it really is. Are they for real? I'm going to say yes. At this point, you can't, you can't say no to this question. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they took it to the number one seed and they ousted the New York Knicks. Like it, they were nothing, you know, like everyone right. thought that was going to be a seven game series. Hawks are like, nah, these guys aren't even on our level. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just stepping up. I mean, Trey Young with 48 points. He was shooting absurd. And I mean, <laughs> you could also say that Milwaukee's defense was piss poor on him. I mean, right. how many open threes did they give this guy? It was unreal. But he becomes the only player in conference finals history to get 45 points and 10 assists in a game in the conference finals, which is in your first ever conference final game is just unheard of. And, oh man, I, I give as much credit to Trey Young as I give so little. I, I give the same amount of credit to the Bucks defense for letting him get whatever he wanted. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I, I watched a video today from B-Ball Breakdown just showing how, for some reason, it seemed like the Bucks players were instructed to go under every screen that Clint Capella gave. And when you go under, you just give Trey Young an open three. And it's like, are you willing to die by Trey Young's open threes? That seems like a terrible strategy. Mm-hmm. So if they don't adjust that really quick for tomorrow's game, 
uh, this could be a disaster. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me that like the Bucks continue as good as a defensive team as they are, and they have a great defensive player in Giannis. Consistently, you know, makes all NBA all NBA defense teams and uh, is in the running for defensive player of the year. And they keep getting burned by by players like mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is lighting them up. Trey Young just lighting them up here. It almost it almost feels like it's all just a facade that they're not <laughs> really as good as they as we think they are. Um, or the Hawks are really just that significantly better. But it feels like the Bucks should be in the driver's seat, and they're just not. They're they're not. It's the Hawks exerting their style on the game. Uh, you know, it's Trey Young doing what he wants on the offensive end. And it's the Bucks that are getting bullied as well on the boards from Collins and and Capella, and it's just wild to me this Bucks team has been able to hang this long to the conference finals. Now I still think they should have lost <laughs> against the Nets, but they won <laughs> they that game. Have, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. And losing this game, I think, confirms my thought that like the Bucks <laughs> are just not as good as we think they are, and Giannis is just not as good as I have thought he was the last couple of years. And Trey well, Young, man. <laughs> yeah, just one final thought here. Trey Young is on fire right now offensively in the playoffs. He, he to me, looks like a combination of like early Steph Curry. Not quite as wow. <laughs> on the level of Steph Curry, but just a little mix of Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas, too. <sighs> Isaiah Thomas during his run with Boston, where it just Dang. looked like he was going to dribble around anybody and everybody and just get to whatever spot okay, he wanted. Okay, that, he was, Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Yeah, Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, Boston, too, yeah. 20, 2018, where yeah. he was just throwing up floaters and dribbling around anybody he wanted and, uh, you know, just causing havoc in pot and finding holes on the floor. Well, uh, let so me ask the, you this, though, Alan. Mm-hmm. Like, how much do you blame the Bucks coaching on how bad their defense is and how bad Giannis is playing? I I I think a lot of blame has to go to the coaching staff, partly also to Giannis just as a player. I think watching Giannis this playoff run, I feel like I've never really watched him as closely um, as I have this year. Yeah. And I'm noticing the differences between a guy like a Giannis Durant and a Jokic. And so much of it, it just comes down, I think, to just solid basketball IQ knowledge. Mm-hmm. I don't think Giannis's first instinct is as good as any of the top 10 players in the NBA in terms of what to do with the ball. <laughs> I think he, he, and I, and now I see yeah. why guys like Durant, you know, would be so offended <laughs> if you compare him to Giannis, because right. when you look at basketball IQ and what decisions are made on your first instinct on the floor, Durant's will be better nine out of 10 times, maybe 19 maybe, out of 20 yeah, times. Right. Oh, <laughs> like totally. it just, it just feels like that's such a glaring hole in Giannis's game where he he's either going to force it inside or he's going to make some wild pass back outside, but nothing any more clever um, or dangerous as that. Like, I just don't think he he's there as a player. And I don't think the coaching staff is really doing a good enough job either to set him up to do make great decisions on the offensive end. And on the defensive end either, like I don't think they they've done a great job to adjust to a lot of these teams during this playoff run. Right. 
Yeah, I think it's just really a team thing, too. It's like, I mean, Chris Middleton, he, he had a pretty tough shooting night, right? I mean, six, right. six of 23. I mean, that's those Devin Booker numbers right there. But mm-hmm. I, that's going to happen. I mean, he was trying to shoot them back into the game. The Hawks seemed like they had pretty good control on a lot of this game, even though it was pretty close the whole way. Right. Um, but Drew Holiday had a great game. And I think mm-hmm. Drew Holiday had, what, 30 points? So, I mean, Drew Holiday... He gets so much, I guess, respect. He gets so much credit for being an amazing defender. And what what is he doing on Trey Young? You know, like yeah, this is a young guy in the league. You've been here. You you've done a lot more in this league than Trey Young has. And you're telling me that Trey Young's just gonna cook you like on your home floor? How how is this? Is what Drew Holiday was brought in to do was to stop these guards that from just destroying you. And you have to let Holiday just go one on one against this guy because I just don't understand like what else they're doing otherwise. And the help defense needs to change a lot. There was a lot of times where Brooke Lopez was just stranded in the middle of yeah. the paint doing nothing, guarding nobody. Like Clint Capella comes out for the screen. Brooke Lopez was he instructed to just stay in the paint to avoid the alley oop? You're just letting Drew Holiday have to go two two guys against one. It, it just it was very baffling to me to see this play out over and over again, and to see no in-game adjustments made to prevent it. Um, so I, it's gonna be a fun little battle to watch the rest of this series and see how Drew Holiday continues to try to guard Trey Young, and and I guess vice versa. But mm-hmm. it's going to come down to that. I mean, if you're going to let Trey Young get this type of production, then you're going to have a lot of trouble. And I mean, this is only one game, right? I mean, we saw Devin Booker get a 40-point triple-double in game one against the Clippers, and he just completely fell off after that. And maybe the same thing happens to Trey Young with the right adjustments. So it's early, but man, I mean, especially since the Hawks are the away team, or I guess the team with less home games overall, this is a much bigger win for them. Yeah, the Brook Lopez thing is so interesting to me how much he's on the floor in these games. 20 minutes from it was only 20 minutes, but still like Brook Lopez was out there doing nothing. Seven, <laughs> seven points, two rebounds like this Hawks team is just bowling the crap out of this Bucks team when it comes to rebounding the ball. And and a lot of that was the reason why they ended up sneaking their way into winning this game. Collins, 23 and 15 rebounds. Wow. Clint Capella as well with 19 <laughs> rebounds for himself. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how the Bucks haven't figured out a, how didn't figure out a way to punish the Hawks' reliance on Clint Capella and John Collins. Like by yeah. keeping Brooke Lopez out there and running with Brooke Lopez and Giannis, they're they're falling to the Hawks somehow a strength that they have found in this playoff run, <laughs> which is Capella just going out there and getting offensive boards and putting it back in and Collins' yep. ball and giving this team more possessions. And again, that's what ended up winning this game, really. A Collins clutch offensive rebound, clutch shot in the corner, and then Clint Compella also the offensive board off a of Trey Young floater, and he ended up scooping that with 30 seconds left to give them the lead. So, I yeah, I'm... I'm I don't know. We haven't seen really the Bucks go with the small ball lineup. I would like to, I would be interested to see what that would look like more against this Hawks team because Capella and Collins are good players and mm-hmm. they. Lopez is just too again, slow, too old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were beating 
Brooke Lopez on the boards all night, and there was no answer there. And PJ Tucker as well. Um, yeah. So this is an interesting series. Hawks are up 1-0. Obviously, there's still a lot more basketball to be played here. But Sean, what are you feeling about this series? I mean, I, I still the only thing that makes me hesitate about just snap picking the Bucks in like five or six is the coaching. It's yeah. I don't know if it's just the media bias giving me this this feeling, but I just feel like Budenholzer is just not a good coach, and mm-hmm. the, a lot of people were like kind of hoping the Bucks got eliminated early so they could fire Budenholzer and hire Carlisle. Um, which yeah, I mean, to, it's the fact that people are saying that just it makes me doubt if Budenholzer has the ability to go toe to toe with Nate McMillan in this series. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Bucks and six, but it's not, I, I don't feel very good about it. Like I do feel like the Hawks could pull something absurd, like something unheard of. The fact that the Hawk, Hawks could make the NBA finals this year is mm-hmm. absurd to think about. Like this should be Giannis's year, right? Like, you know, like the West is as weak as it's been. You're going up against the youngest team in the, in the conference finals and they have no playoff experience this should be your year, you know? And if you're, if you're, I guess if you have that mentality, maybe that just makes it a lot harder to win because you're just thinking you should win when you're not actually doing the things you need to do to win and respecting your opponent and making the adjustments you need to. Exactly. The Hawks are, they're the underdog. They are the new guy on the block and they know they're talented uh, and they know nobody's counting, counting on them to win, but they're going to do it, and they ha- they look like they're having a lot of fun on it. Mm-hmm. And I want to say the Hawks so bad. I do. <laughs> I watching did, too. I game. just couldn't do it. Do what but, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of think, like, the talent of Giannis has to come through Middleton and the pain that these guys have felt from not from coming so close a couple of years in a row now. But they'll figure something out to pull it through. Because, I mean, this game was still close. So I'm gonna go with you the same same as you, Sean. I'm going Bucks and six. I think okay. it'll be a grueling series and it's gonna be fun. Um, but <laughs> I I have faith that the MV the two time MVP will figure something out alongside his his uh his teammate his teammates. Yeah. I think either way, we're seeing John Collins get the money that he bet on himself yeah. in the start of the season, which we were questioning it. We we're like, I don't know who's going to give John Collins this money. The Hawks are definitely going to give him his money now. And Nate McMillan, man, they're going to sign this guy to a fat contract and he deserves it. Oh yeah. This is the roster to keep. And it's funny because this a lot, you know, we were all feeling really weird about this roster that was put together. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was, it was a recipe for internal turmoil it felt like there was it was a sign that the Hawks were kind of in a iffy ground of which guys they want to move forward with. Which it and, was for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But now it looks this I mean, every time there's a postgame interview, that's the consistent theme is that this team has great cohesiveness and everybody has each other's back. So it's great to see this Hawks team have put it together this way. And if they don't do it this year, they're going to have another hell of a run next year as well. Yeah, I mean, they're super deep, so that, that bodes well for regular season. So they're always going to be in the playoffs. And then if you can get the guys to step up like this every year, and, and McMillan seems to have been able to find the, a way to get the best out of his guys. I mean, you look at Kevin Hoarders even just mm-hmm. playing out of his mind. Like, he's just having some amazing games. 
the fact that he's been able to still maintain a solid roster spot on this deep lineup is just crazy. And this is all without Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, two of your right. big lottery picks over the last few years. And they're doing it all just because they have this depth and McMillan knows how to use his piece as well. Yeah, and those were two guys that really stepped up at the start of the year for this team. They were looking like they were the the key pieces of the rotation, and they were. Yeah. And when they fell off, Nick McMillan found a way uh, to replace those guys and and help the guys, other guys, also step up to you know take that rotation and make it even better. Obviously, you know the rotation we saw in January for this Hawks team, we did not think was going to be in, East, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, right. <laughs> but here they are. Uh, moving on from there, the NBA draft lottery earlier this week. This lottery is so <laughs> it's so funny. Lame. It's just so dramatic, <laughs> and it ends up being so lame. Yeah, it's uh, so anticlimactic. So much hype, but I mean, there are there is there is some justification for it. You know, if you're Houston, you put a lot of work into tanking, right? Like <laughs> midway through the year, you yeah, Christian Wood goes down and. He comes back and the entire roster he comes back to play with is completely different outside of John <laughs> Wall. garbage. <laughs> yeah, PJ Tucker's not there. Harden isn't there. Eric Gordon isn't there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Just a bunch of pieces are brought in instead and all in an effort. And it works out for them, right? They're crossing <laughs> their fingers. Yep. This lottery, help, hoping that they get into the top four and... Um, and, not, and, don't, and they don't send that pick over to OKC. They don't. They get that number two pick. And Detroit getting that number one pick. I mean, wow. this is a franchise that has been irrelevant in the NBA <laughs> since like, I don't know, the since mid 2000s. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Since yeah, that Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace team. And maybe, I don't know. Uh, I don't think you count the Blake Griffin playoff year. <laughs> I don't think that right. counts as relevancy. <laughs> yeah. There was a seven seed that got swept. Right. I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got swept. But yeah, I yeah, just because it just seems like Detroit's just such an uninteresting franchise for <laughs> this guy Cade Cunningham to go to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there there are so many intriguing plays. Like Houston would have been intriguing. Toronto would have been really intriguing. Yeah. OKC especially would have been very intriguing. But then now he's gonna go to Detroit. And it's just like, ugh, Detroit's so lame, so boring. They don't have any prospects for c contending in the near mm -hmm. future. So you're just going to watch. It's like, at least you know Cade Cunningham's going to get a lot of minutes. It, it's kind of like the Anthony Edwards thing where it's like, you know, he's going to play on a team where he's going to get a lot of minutes and usage, but it, it, he's not even, <laughs> is he even going to win rookie of the year because his team sucks so bad? I mean, who, who thinks Detroit is going to become instantly like a good team because they have Cade Cunningham? Like nobody. I, it's just... I don't even know if they'll be able to use him well. Honestly, I I don't know if Dwayne Casey's the best coach. I don't, I don't know if this is the best program for him to develop in. I I don't know. Uh, there's just yeah, there's so many question marks with Detroit and it's like it would have been cool to see him go to a, a franchise where you kind of think that he'd have a lot of potential to improve. Yeah, exactly. Like how many national TV games do you think we'll get? In Detroit. We'll get like three. <laughs> they were probably going to get one before. Now they get three. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, they have some pieces. They have Jeremy Grant. They have, yeah. I guess, Sadiq Bay had a good, boring. solid year. Boring. But yeah, <laughs> you had the number one pick here, and I don't think this this team definitely does not instantly turn into a playoff contender. I think it'll be a couple of years before we actually start hearing things about Detroit. Um, so from that aspect, yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean. I don't think we're going to see them on national TV or hear much about them, but... They are a franchise. If there's a franchise that desperately needed the number one pick, this was it. And I'm just happy it didn't go to Cleveland. Somehow Cleveland <laughs> still managed to get the third pick, which seems absurd. Right. <laughs> um, to talk about, you know, rigging the NBA for, for large markets. What about Cleveland? They are in the last 10 years, they've gotten like consistent. They've been consistently they've gotten consistent picks within the top five. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But even like the lottery odds can't be that great. Like it's crazy. But they're they're there <laughs> with the number three pick, Detroit number one, Houston number two, Toronto number four, Orlando up. five, OKC at six. OKC is the interesting one that had a lot of promise, a lot of, you know, cross the fingers really tight, and you could potentially get a, a really good shot at two at top two five picks. picks. Yeah. Yeah, two top five picks. Instead, you fall to number six. And you start really regretting that win <laughs> that you that like tank tanking face off that you had against the Clippers to end the year, and you end up winning that as well as winning the coin flip against Cleveland to decrease your chances at that number one pick. So you pick at number six. What do you think, Sean? You think they're regretting? Uh, I, I mean, it's tough, right? I mean. They did drop a spot or two from where their 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 actual pick would be, and with Houston, it's like they only had like a forty. It's a pretty good chance, but they had a forty seven percent chance to get it essentially, and they didn't get it. So Coin the flip. odds weren't really in their favor. I, I think people were just hoping that would happen because it'd be a pretty crazy storyline that OKC got two picks in the top five, but in reality, it, it was really like a fifty fifty that mm -hmm. any of that was happening so it does suck that they're out of the side of the top four because the consensus among a lot of scouts and gms is that the top four of this draft is really strong and then it drops off pretty quickly after that and you're not really sure who's gonna end up being the potential all-star players after those top four guys who seem like they have all-star mm -hmm. if not superstar potential yeah exactly a name to call out here for number six is uh Damian Leonard was chosen at number six. Hey, so that's pretty good. There's a shot there. There's a shot. <laughs> yeah. Another notable one. Number seven warriors taking the mm -hmm. pick from the Timberwolves uh, from that D'Angelo Russell trade. The rich getting richer. This is a guess. <laughs> I got to think the warriors are pretty happy about this one. Maybe you could have mm. gotten it. A could better case better. scenario yeah. could have been a couple more spaces up. But number seven's not too bad, I think, for for a team that's already got yeah. two stars on their roster. Yeah, no, I, th I mean, Warriors need depth, right? I mean, that was the big problem with them in the play-in games is they just had no one else to compliment Steph and Draymond. And you mm -hmm. got guys like, I, I guess, like Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano-Anderson that are they're, they're cool pieces to have, but you're not contending with those guys. They're, they're just scrappy players that'll fight hard, but you, you need some real talent on this team. Mm -hmm. Like hard, hard work can get you places, but you also need talent. And the warriors can definitely find that with, with this pick. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they select. I'm not sure exactly what they'll be going for, 
they do need quite a few positions to, to shore up that bench. So I, I think they just go for who they think is the best fit for the team. Yeah. Or you got to think there's potential here to bundle it up in a trade package this James Wiseman and maybe Wiggins Ooh. make the money work <laughs> already given up on Wiseman. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough to, that's enough money there to, to make day to, to make a trade for Tamian Leonard work. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's not get too crazy. They probably yeah. be able to get Ben Simmons though. <laughs> that that's, a, that's another one. The numbers work too. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that's, who they want but <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone's a little skeptical <laughs> yeah but looking at this list you got warriors you got orlando kings new orleans charlotte san antonio indiana and the warriors again at number 14 any of these stand out to you interesting sean i think i think it's nothing crazy outside of the okc story obviously the warriors taking that pick from the timberwolves and the rockets keeping theirs any other ones you think to um, call out? I mean, Orlando getting Chicago's pick, I think, is definitely at least something to note. So mm -hmm. they get number five and number eight, which I think is very good for them. They definitely need to just gamble on a few guys, you know, find find the superstar in the bunch. They really don't have anything to go with right now. Uh, and it makes that Vucevic trade really worth it, right? I mm -hmm. mean, this this is a pick where you weren't really sure if it was going to be a lottery pick, but it ends up being number eight overall. Which, right. I mean, if you're the Bulls, you're just, oh man, you got to be hurting so bad. You, see, you thought that was going to be what was going to push you to the playoffs. And then you end up giving this pick to Orlando, who, I mean, you, you probably thought you were going to be like 17 or 18, like yeah. honestly. And then you end up giving them number eight. And that hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah. And this just like another year, it adds a bit more pressure on that Patrick Williams pick that you made last year. Yep. Um, so. Hopefully that you don't end up regretting that one too bad. But yeah, the Magic are definitely a team that needed that pick. And another one to call out, I think, for me is just the Pelicans at number 10. Not too yeah. bad. Hopefully yeah. they can do something <laughs> to swing and prove that roster a bit more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 10's tough. I, I think any of these late lottery picks could work. I mean, this could be a Donovan Mitchell thing where you, you find the guy that's later in the draft, you know, like... Shea Gilgis Alexander was an 11th round pick. Michael mm -hmm. Porter Jr. was a 14th, or not 11th round, 11th overall. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was 14th overall. So I think this is going to be one of those drafts where one of those late lottery picks does become one of the better players that you would have probably drafted in the top five um, with hindsight. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on from there, bunch of head coaching changes. The Nets assistant hired as the Celtics uh, head coach. I heard his name being said, and I was trying to take note of how to pronounce it well, and I don't remember <laughs> what that pronunciation was. Uduko? Aduka? Ime Udoka. Ime Iduka. Uduko. Udoka. Udoka. There we go. Udoka. I think I got yeah. it. There you hired go. Hired as the Celtics' new head coach. Um, seems like a likable guy. Nets assistant for... For a while, um, dude has a bunch of connections to a lot of good players. Um, I think it's an interesting pick taking over for Brad Stevens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, guy with no head coaching experience prior, but I think a big player in this was that the Celtics stars, that being Tatum, Brown, and, and Marcus Smart, played for Doka in the 2019 FIBA World Cup, and they all had really good things to say about him so i think that familiarity helps out a lot 
And I mean, this is a guy that's played in the NBA before. He he never had a, he didn't have a very amazing career or anything. He was more of like a off the bench guy. Uh, I think he played a few years with San Antonio, um, most importantly. But yeah, he he seems like a guy that players like to play for. Um, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be interesting to see how he's able to hopefully bring these Celtics guys together because it just seems like they just were very dysfunctional last year, and and hopefully he can prevent them from tanking which i don't know if this moves the needle any one direction to the other for you <laughs> no i'm gonna stick with that hot They're take still tanking. <laughs> uh, it's my hot take they're going oh, to man. tank whether they know it or not <laughs> it's the only way to get better for them did um, we make a bet on this have we, we made a bet on this? Okay. Yeah, cool. I'm oh, sticking yeah, with yeah, my no, guns yeah, here. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you're this like, is this is way early, too early, but... <laughs> this is the earliest uh, next season bet or hot take I've ever made, but... <laughs> because this season's technically not even over, but nope. and I've already made one for next <laughs> but season. But hey, yeah, they, they're already in the offseason. I mean, they already traded Kemba Walker, so I, it is offseason technically for as far as Celtics conversation goes. <laughs> That's true. I always think it's probably smarter to wait until free agency and all that <laughs> falls into place but this year i'm not i did not wait so that's yeah, my hot take of the just, year yeah you 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 know what you're, you're talking about you're very confident <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes <laughs> rick carlisle is the new indiana head coach four year 29 million dollars um a lot of praise for luca and his press conference and the dallas mm-hmm. organization but rick carlisle goes back to indiana i think this is not a surprise. It made sense. It felt like, you know, when Rick Carlisle left that he had something uh, in his back pocket. And I think mm-hmm. it's a, I'm not sure. I think it's a good, it's a good place for Indiana. I think he's the good guy, a good guy for them to bring along. They got a roster with, with talented pieces. I was pretty high on them this coming year and they obviously fell apart there. I don't think they even wanted to be in the play in tournament, but they were. And I think yeah. Rick Carlisle should be, is a great hire for them. Yeah, for sure. I, I think all of the players liked playing for Rick Carlisle. I think him and Luca had a really good relationship. And yeah, I think this Pacers team, they're going to come back healthy next year. And this, they're going to have a coach with a very good pedigree, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think it just, with, with Bjorkren, you know, it's just a little too much new stuff too quickly uh coming from all like a brand new head coach who hadn't really done it before you bring in a guy with actual veteran experience and now now we're talking about a team that wants to contend actually be a player in the playoffs because even mm-hmm. if you made the playoffs this year i don't think there's really any expectations that they were going to do much of anything but when you have this tenured of a coach it does signal that they're they're ready to win with the current roster that they have they're not trying to rebuild anymore i think they're they're satisfied with the guys they have. I think they should be. I think they have a very deep team, a uh, very good starting lineup. I mean, Brogdon, Levert, Savonis, Turner, TJ mm-hmm. Warren will be back there. Uh, right. That's going to make a big difference for them. Uh, I, I, and I think that that starting lineup is can contend with anybody, honestly, um, except I guess the Nets if they have their big three back. But mm-hmm. yeah, that that's going to be trouble for anybody. So yeah, I like it for Indiana. I think that they're they're very lucky to have gotten carlisle so quickly yeah agree as well i think rick carl was not interested in trying to appease luca with god knows how many different moving pieces <laughs> they're going to try to bring into dallas yeah or not not at all and they're going to keep rolling with these dudes 
I don't think where Carlisle was at. I think this is a good position for him. He's got the chess pieces. I think Indiana's got the right personnel already. Now it's just a matter of putting, making the pieces work, and I think that's the man for the job. Mm-hmm. Jason Kidd, very likely to be the Mavs' new head coach. A lot of buzz coming around here. Um, yeah, that's another name that Rick Carlisle called out in his press conference is Jason Kidd and yeah. how he might have a good would would be a good match uh, for Luca. Uh, Jason Kidd is an interesting hire to me. I'm not really yeah. sure what the whole hype is around him. He was an okay head coach. And I mean, as an assistant, obviously he won the, the title with the Lakers. Um, I think he's got great basketball knowledge, but I do question his ability to be a head coach. And I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of his Um Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just, I didn't look into this or maybe it didn't come out exactly what, carlisle likes so much about jason kidd or Mm -hmm. like have they coached somewhere before together i'm not really sure like what like i I guess what the connection is between the two guys and why he would care so much about who i I, maybe maybe it speaks to his a good relationship with the Mavs organization and him just putting his um, two cents into the ring and just being like hey if, if i was still with the Mavs, like this is who i'd want to coach them Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just he thinks it'll be a great fit i, I yeah. don't really know yeah i think it was just a matter of him hearing about it and um you know just thinking that jason kidd could be a good fit personality mm-hmm. wise and the fact that i think jason kidd was a very successful point guard that that would be a good fit um yeah, in terms see of how that worked out for with, steve nash <laughs> yeah that's true working with uh working with luca um but we'll see if that ends up you know, confirming and really materializing. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't think Jason Kidd would be that great. I, I, he just hasn't proven himself as a head coach. Like, like you said, like he he was the head coach for the Bucks and he didn't really do anything. Like the thing he's most known for was spilling water on the floor to get an extra timeout. Like that's mm-hmm. that's his head coaching highlight at this point. Yeah, you want to talk about the bashness that Mike Budenhauser has been getting. <laughs> when he took over that roster, he significantly made strides with no roster changes at all. Right. Um, so that just goes to show the kind of coach Jason Kidd was at that time. And who knows, maybe he has gotten significantly better and he has new ideas and new approaches. I don't know, but I don't think he, I don't know if he's worth the hype. So we'll see what yeah. the what the Mavs end up going with. How about Ben Simmons here? Ben Simmons Mm -hmm. rumors swirling already around the NBA. Um, But apparently it seems like there's a plan to keep him here. So it's interesting because you had an opportunity to trade him earlier in the year, potentially for James Harden or anybody else. It seems like there was discussions happening and it didn't end up happening. And now he's at his values at the lowest. The entire (laughs) NBA just saw what happened to him. So it almost, to me, it almost seems like there is no, there should be no interest from the 76ers in trading him because you're going to get, you're going to essentially get like nickels to the dollar, I feel, for Ben Simmons if you trade him at any point in the next few months. Right. It is crazy. It's very rare to see a guy's value tank this much over the course of like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you some names. Let me see what your answer is to these. So, would you straight up? These will all just be straight up trades for the sake of simplicity. Would you trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons? If I'm Portland, yeah. Or the 76ers? 
If I'm Portland. If you're Portland. Um, I don't think so. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't trade Ben Simmons. Would you have done that in the beginning of the season? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think I would have thought about <laughs> it a lot more. How about Bradley Beal? Would you trade, if you're with the Wizards, would you trade Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons? No way. No way. <laughs> no way. Okay, if you're the Celtics, would you trade Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons? No way. No way. See, this is crazy. Yeah. Because <laughs> these are all guys that Ben Simmons would be ranked ahead of at the start of the season. And now it's like you don't even really think about it. You're like, I, yeah, these guys aren't even in the same tier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that, yeah, you could only stop and really think about it if it's we're talking about CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum is a great player. But CJ McCollum is not an all-star, right? Like, he's not... He's top borderline. 20, he's like top 25. Yeah, he's borderline. But Ben Simmons, we're talking about a guy who should be in the top 20 player list, <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. And he's completely fallen off of that. CJ McCollum, again, good player in his respect. But I think I would always put CJ McCollum maybe in the top 25, top 30 um, circle rather than I would never put him in the top 20 <laughs> circle of players in the NBA. So. Ben Simmons has definitely dropped a couple of tiers, I think, here. And I don't think a CJ McCollum trade fixes either of those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that's like the biggest rumor, right? Is that they're trying to get Ben Simmons to Portland. That's that seems to make the most sense from a value perspective from both angles. But yeah, if I'm Dame, I don't I don't want Ben Simmons on my team. Yeah. Like, I don't want any of that noise. Like, at least I know CJ McCollum plays hard and he's a gamer. I'm going to say something crazy, but this is how I feel right now is okay. I feel like the only trade that would happen tomorrow is Ben Simmons and a package around Ben Simmons and Kemba Walker. Dang. So you, you think that OKC would be able to offload Kemba Walker to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons? Yeah, that's I think OKC is the only team that calls back and says, yeah, I'll, hmm. I'll give you a deal that doesn't involve a star player. And that's Kemba Walker. Interesting. Would, you'd, you'd like that if you're OKC, that straight up trade. Well, not a straight up trade. It would it would still be a package. Oh, so it has like to be a, Ben Simmons plus. Plus, that's yeah, crazy. Ben, He's that's not the even as good as Kemba Walker. Yeah, it would be like okay, I'll take Ben Simmons and you know, and we'll, and you take Kemba Walker, and we'll like swap picks or something. Oh uh, man, yeah, we'll swap picks yeah. in 2027. Yeah, like it, it's a it's a not a straight up deal, but a deal with like picks involved. And it's Dang. not going to be like picks in terms of beneficial for one side. I think it's just like a little bit of betting, you yeah. know, like swapping picks. And OKC will inevitably win the bet because they always yeah. do. Yeah, okay. exactly. That, yeah, uh, so that's honestly that, the only trade package I see happening. Oh, man. That's got me thinking. Okay, let me ask you a few more then. Would you do Pascal Siakam for Ben Simmons? If you're the Raptors. That's an interesting one. <laughs> I'd say no, and honestly, the and they would, it wow. would I wouldn't do it straight up, but I would think about it. Where Ben Simmons plus, but you need Ben Simmons plus. <laughs> yeah, I would need Ben Simmons plus. Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. If I'm the Pacers, let's do Malcolm Brogdon for Ben Simmons. Okay, that makes that might make yeah, sense. You do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But again, Malcolm Brogdon is just not on the, shouldn't even be on the same he tier. Shouldn't even be considered. Like I would put Malcolm Brogdon on, on a lower tier than CJ McCollin. Right. As a yeah. player. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. But like where Ben Simmons is playing, it's a consideration where you're like, oh, maybe Brogdon has more upside at this point. Yeah, maybe he fits better with the 76er Ross. So I think in that case, it would be like Ben Simmons, Malcolm plus other other enticers, I think. Okay, so you think you think the this like Simmons still has more value than Brogdon? Yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. I'm, yeah. I, I, if I'm the Pacers, I'd I'd question it though. I feel like, ooh, like, do we really want to deal with that this summer? Like, yeah, Brogdon's played really well last year. <laughs> it's true, but I mean, it also the the big monkey wrench I think in the Ben Simmons trade is just the amount of years still left on this contract and his age. Oh yeah. So like, you're also betting that um, that you can fix him. Or like, you know, he can have his best year still ahead of him and they're going to be with your franchise. So if you're willing to make that bet, then that's a might be a good bet if it turns out that way. Just because you you make the bet, you make the trade with the years already under Ben Simmons um, with the guarantee that those years are going to be with your team. So versus mm-hmm. a guy like Brogdon, I, who I don't know his contract exactly, but I got to think he's only yeah. he does well, not I have four years got, like, ahead of him. Yeah, I mean. I know when he signed with Indiana, it was a sign and trade, and it was like four years, ninety million. So it's it's not as big as Ben's, but it's pretty big. Yeah, but the years years wise, like you know, you'd only have Brogdon locked yeah, in yeah, for like two, two more, more years, years, but you'd have Simmons right. locked in for four. So that's also something to take in consideration. Like, are you willing to make that long term of a bet on a guy like that's true, Ben Simmons? Which yeah, maybe well, good, mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a positive or maybe a negative. Yeah. Well, that's why I like that OKC scenario brought up with Kemba Walker because it's like OKC has such a good track record of developing these guys and refining their talent and actually like getting the potential out of them. I think if Ben Simmons was able to find his way to OKC, he you would see top twenty Ben Simmons again. I honestly think that's where he he needs to go and needs to do just go to a franchise that's like just not doing very well and he just does his thing and just kind of yeah you know what basically what trey young did with the hawks last year i don't know what luca did with the dallas mavericks when he first came like it was pretty clear that that whole roster was just that whole basketball fundamentals the whole basketball fundamental of that team was going to (laughs) revolve around luca around trey um you know and i think he needs to just go to a team that like that's like that yeah and that where he's the number one option essentially which would exactly. force him to play offense and then it would force him to get better at shooting and playmaking. Right. Exactly. Just have more involvement and accountability, I think. Um, yeah. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Maybe that Kemba Walker trade does <laughs> yeah. fruit shoot, come to fruition. Also, if, he, if he doesn't get traded, how much faith do you have in Doc Rivers statement that he has a plan for Ben Simmons to fix all of his issues this summer? I mean, I just don't know if, I got to think at this level, the coaching has already been, the coaching staff has already been doing all they can. Mm. I think it's a matter of him. I think it's a Ben Simmons problem, not a coaching staff problem. Like, I think he probably just needs to adjust his lifestyle and his approach to the game and maybe figure out, maybe there is a coaching element to it, but I think it's more of a personal coaching Mm. element. Like maybe he needs to figure out a guy that he can stick with that can help him go through these psychological problems or help help them out a little bit more one-on-one rather yeah, than sports psychologist type of thing. Yeah. I think it's got to come from that as opposed to like from a team coach 
I think the team mm-hmm. head coach coaching staff probably already has a, done enough, I think, or are already doing their best. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense, but may, maybe Doc's plan includes that. And he's probably yeah. not going to disclose details, but I mean, uh, it's hard to trust him at this point. The dude's just done nothing but choke in the second round every year. It was bad. It was bad, noticeably bad. I mean, there's times where I feel like guys do bad performances, but it's tough for casual fans to decipher that. This one was so blatantly in the face. I think all casual fans saw this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, bad situation for for Ben Simmons. Really lost a lot of value, and for the 76ers as well. Like again, it's 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 a tough situation because now you're like this might have defined the fact that you probably can't roll with this guy, but because it was so defining, it's not the right time to trade him because you're going to get such bad value off of a trade. (laughs) Yeah. You need to prove that he's worked on this stuff and that he's going to be more like the player he, he was at the start of the season. Yeah. Maybe you hope until the, yeah, maybe you hope until the summertime, some more teams round out their rosters a bit or lose out on free agents or something. Right. Or yeah, you wait yeah. until the trade deadline uh, coming next year to make a move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely keep... Uh, Daryl Moore is going to be keeping his pulse on, on all these different teams and what they're doing for sure because I'm sure he'll jump at the, at the chance to get a good value out of him from yeah. whoever he can get it from. Yep. Final thoughts. Olympic... U.S. team is set. We got some big names. Kevin Durant, Damian Leonard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant, Chris Milton, Drew Holiday, uh, potentially Kevin Love. What do you think, Sean? I'm surprised Durant <laughs> is here. Um, but outside of that, oh, I mean, Leonard is also a big player. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, the guys that I thought would be playing are playing. I mean, the, the big one's Kevin Love, right? Right. Like, for one, like, he still gets an invite to these things. Yeah. And then, two, it's like, what? I'm, uh, is he in a good headspace to play in these games? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess he closed out the season with the Cavs and he was healthy, so maybe he he just wants to be part of a winning team, you know? Uh, I'm sure he won't get that many minutes when you're, when you're playing with guys of this much talent level. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a strong team. I mean, this this team obviously it's not with the best players that the U.S. has to offer, but right. it should be plenty enough talent to combat any uh, any international team we go up against. And I mean, I think guys like Draymond Green and Jeremy Grant are actually going to be a lot more influential than we give them credit for i think that their game will translate very well to the international game um i think defense defense is gonna be a big thing and those guys just bring it on that side of the floor and draymond i mean we know draymond plays his best when he's surrounded by superstar talent and he can just freely do whatever he needs to to get them the basket get them the bucket and i mean this is as good as any any 2018 warriors team right so yeah, he's he's just gonna have a field day passing out to all these guys. Yeah, I I don't love this roster. I I think it's probably like, you know, it's a B plus. I don't think it's the A plus yeah, roster, but it's, it's still good. Yeah. And but I think with Durant and Leonard, I think once you have those two guys, you could you should be able to be almost anybody. And on this note, mm-hmm. when talking about the Olympic US team, I almost wonder if that's something Ben Simmons should pursue pretty highly is 
not playing for the U.S., but playing for his his native Australian team. Yeah, and get out there and and try to have some 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 big games in this in this Olympic tournament. And maybe yeah. it's against them, it's against this team, but maybe that could help uh, push his confidence. Because I'm looking at this roster, and that's what that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Bam, Jeremy Grant, these young guys who you know didn't really have a great competitive year team wise. Uh, this year, but I think being playing in the summer tournament could probably set them up to carry some positive momentum into next year that they mm-hmm. otherwise wouldn't have gotten had they just ended the season the way they did. Right. And another thing to note is that the only two big men on this team are mm-hmm. Kevin Love and Bam. That's and, sort of been a trend. Them, they're not even that big of guys. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that's just been a trend with U.S. basketball. We have had a hard time getting the big guys to sign up here. Yeah, like where's um, Carl Anthony Towns? Like, why isn't he playing for us? <laughs> yeah, you would think DeAndre Aiden maybe would also oh, want he, to sign he's up. He's not uh, U.S. Oh. eligible. Um, so okay. yeah, like, you can't get Aiden, you can't get Embiid, but you you can get Cat. Uh, you can mm-hmm. get Anthony Davis. Uh, I mean, sure. why aren't these guys stepping up and helping out the team, man? Like. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's Kevin true. Kevin gonna have to shoulder the load if we gotta <laughs> go size size versus some of these big Serbians. Yeah, where where's Randall in this? Randall needs to jump yeah, on this Julius? team. Come on, <laughs> he just had his best best year of his career. He's we need him tired. on Team he USA. Like Forty five minutes a game on average. Right, exactly. <laughs> now we it's just we need some. Maybe we get yeah. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard just makes his oh, way yeah. onto this roster. <laughs> JaVale McGee. <laughs> Chappelle McGee. Yeah. That'd be fun. But I mean, mm-hmm. gold, right? There's no other, there's no other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it, Team USA. Well, Let's go. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we're going to keep up to date with these conference finals. And we'll be here for the NBA finals come July. Ooh. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch up on news every weekend and week out. And don't forget to subscribe. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.